Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by David Gaffney. David, originally from Jersey and the Channel Islands, takes us through his expat story and his musical adventures. An intrepid busker, David had been travelling throughout the UK from London to Brighton and beyond. But it was on Matthew Street in Liverpool where he was busking at the time that things were about to change. David was approached by German actress Merit Becker who asked him to join her band on a German tour and that chance meeting took him to Berlin. David tells us more about it. We talk musical influences, as well as some of his ongoing projects at the moment, the release of his new single, the realities of making a living in the music business, his success at the German and European Songwriting Awards, as well as performing at Song Slam and the buzz he gets from the audience. In the top five, there's Ed Sheeran, again, Nick Cave, Elton John not quite standing, why you should be listening to David Keenan, all this and opening for Pete Doherty at Huxley's in Berlin. Let's get right to it. David Gaffney. It's been a bit of a long journey for me, to be honest. I'm originally from Jersey in the Channel Islands, so kind of moving around was always something on my head from a, a very young age because I knew I wanted to do music. And I was just starting around the UK from like 18 until about 27 loads of different cities but the main German move came when I was playing on the street in Liverpool in Matthew Street so I was a busker there for years I played on the street there and this German actress Merit Becker her name is she just like walked past me on a Saturday night when I was playing and and just uh yeah just basically took my email address and then shot me an email about three or four months later asking if I wanted to commit to a tour in Germany (laughs) As a background singer in a band. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> I was living in a hostel in Liverpool and with nothing in the pockets. And I was just uh, pretty amazed. I had no kind of intentions to, to come out here to Germany. And I just found myself like going with this story. Part of me was like, oh, this is a little bit risky. But yeah, so it's pretty mad, mad story how it ended up out here. So mm-hmm. how did the, the tour was... Uh... It was kind of like one of those talk- she she was making a new album with this band, and the album had was just finished, and it was one of those tours where it was like five dates that month, four the next month and and it was a little bit split up, so it wasn't kind of full power straight away, but there was good blocks of shows split up between about eighteen months. And uh, but as a background singer, it wasn't really my thing. I'm, I'm normally the guy who's screaming in the middle. But uh, so I had to learn a lot there where I went to the rehearsals and stuff. And I would say it was like my first experience of like real. Really, I was like, holy shit, this this gang really knows. Definitely, really. <laughs> I was up the night before a little bit longer. The first rehearsal thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty chilled. But it was really quite intense. And at one point I thought maybe this this wasn't for me, but. I persisted and it was, it was good fun. Uh, what happened at the end of the tour then? I guess that's what we're waiting to know. What was the next well, like in, in between? The tour went well, I should say. Yeah, again, so well, it was, was like, like trials and tribulations along mm. the way, as as you could expect. 
because I was really just like roughing it in like the small music venues around Camden and Liverpool and I've done a lot of Brighton and things like that. And so like to go to like this venue with like a proper setup, your own can at the front of the stage for your voice and your lunch and your dinner and everything all chucked in. It was all a bit like breathtaking for me. So I was always like questioning the band saying, hey, so do we have to pay for this? And <laughs> right. what, what's going on here? But it was really like a life changing moment for me. I mean, the first show we I done in Berlin was a sold out Volkspooner and it was just like, I couldn't believe where I was, you know? Yeah, it was good. I was, I was <laughs> yeah. fucking shaking. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <I'll believe> it, <laughs> <right>. Yeah. <laughs> But that gets that gets the old heart beating if nothing else. Hey, then it gives oh, you. Man, I'm sure it man. gives you a lot of self confidence though. Afterwards, all these doubts that you maybe had definitely at definitely, the beginning, yeah. and then you know throughout time. But it was just kind of like the fact that this lovely this lovely person had just like almost went like all in at the start with me. It was like she just had something on her mind that this was going to work. She was like, I really you know, your voice really stuck with me and whatever. And it was like that pure, like, commitment to little old me was was something that really impressed me. And like you say, builds the confidence massively. And then after the tour, I was just running around Berlin for for about another <laughs> year, just kind of lapping all that. And stuff and all that, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that is mental, yeah, that was mad. Where did that take you next then? You, you're not in Berlin anymore, no? That, no, I'm, uh, I'm in Munich now, so... Yeah, in, in Berlin, I basically just, like, I was always on the scene a little bit there on the open mic scene, and, and but never really doing proper proper big shows by myself. But just mooching around and getting to know as many musos as I could and having the best time ever and really, like, not a care in the world. I was jumping jumping about from gaff to gaff every other week, and I was living out the guitar bag again, and it was class. But then I, I, I met my... My missus there about a year later, and uh, yeah, then we had our, our first kid, our, our son in, in Berlin, Ruben, and now we've moved back to Munich, uh, Julia's hometown, and we've had our second kid, so it's the roots are in. I was going to say, change days a little bit, <laughs> if, if nothing else, just a little yeah. bit. Has it been, yeah. uh, I mean, that transition from not so much the fatherhood, parenthood thing, but the transition from city to city, you've noticed a big difference in the scene? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge. Well, it's a huge difference, but at the same time, I'm like a bit of a firm believer in like you. You kind of attract your people anyway. I think, and if there's something to go and get, then I'll go and get it. And if I'm searching for a little open mic scene or a little solo gig, then I just think persistence is the key. And keep moving around, keep going for more beers and chatting to more people and. We're all the the same music people. scene does work in this kind of way. It's, though. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And I think, like, I, I mean, you, you'll know yourself, like, I think a lot of people are amazed by it as well. Like, they're always asking, oh, what the, you know, how is it living like a musician and, and how do you get by? And But then it's just a shame it's always the money that's the, one of the main questions as well. Right, well, that's the that's the million-dollar question. Eh? I, had a, I had a great conversation with, two guys earlier this year called uh, the band that they do together is called Bookie Baker okay. and they're, they're based in uh, Prague uh, one guy's Canadian the other guy's Irish and uh, the Canadian guy Alex was telling me we were just talking about similar things you know how you got into the music scene and all that and he said his mother told him or the, the, the thing she said to him was are you willing to eat bread 
<laughs> and I think that just that just resonated so ah, yeah, much. I mean, yeah. that was just yeah. If you if you know, you know, right? It's just one of yeah, those yeah. things that it's uh, it's mad that the road it takes you on, but it is like it is just something that's in you, I think, and I can't let it go, man. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I've I've tried in my head to like maybe practice that a little bit. Like, all right, Dave, what the fuck's going to happen if this still doesn't work out? But it always leads me back there. How about musical uh, influences, David? What what kind of thing floats your boat? Because your sound's really unique. I mean, your sound is, I haven't heard anything like it. I've listened to a lot of new new music or new music to me anyway. And Mm. I try to put this through the podcast as well, you know, point it in other people's directions or the listeners' directions and they they can check out some really interesting and new great stuff. But yeah, I haven't heard anything like it at all, man. It's uh, it's really unique. it's kind of like I like because everyone asks you that, like, yeah, what kind of music do you play and, and whatever. But I just like to call it like dark pop. That, that's what I like to call it, and I don't know if that's the correct term. There probably is a correct term for it, but I don't I leave that to the musicians there, Dave. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. Kind of certain dark so elements. Kinda, through, I'm yeah. not, if you've listened to a few, you know, I'm not. I'm not scared to go around the 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 hook again a few more times at the end and. I think that's the joy of a song. It's, but I've got a bit of a mixture of everything. I, I, I love James Taylor. I love listening to James Taylor, but then I was also like a, a mad raver when I was younger as well. So also love a bit of dubstep and, and <laughs> everything. It's a little bit crazy, but I can't say that I ever just go and put on something that all the time I change it. I change it up quite a bit. And I, I love like, I love Billy Joel as well. I love Carole King. When I was younger, I had this one CD that was like a selection of a base comp- a compilation Compilation. album. And I remember the first time I heard uh, One by U2 in, in my bedroom with the headphones on. I just remember feeling something really nice with the melody. And then like songs like No Woman, No Cry. It sounds cliche, but something stuck with me with these kind of melodies. And then later on in in life, I find out that the chords are all hanging around there in this kind of let it be vibe. Right. So I try and keep... Four chords and changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try and keep a bit of the classic stuff in there. I, 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 I like it and... Well, people are still doing it, so must, <laughs> there must be something in it. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. Kind of... Before Corona, it was like I was down here in Munich, and I've got like I've basically got a, a really solid team behind me. I've got a nice group of people behind me. I write with some people, and uh, and we're all kind of in this together. They're based in Leipzig, so before Corona. All I was doing was going to Leipzig, writing, recording, doing odd shows here and there. And then on the weeknights, coming back to Munich under a different name, doing covers gigs here, there, everywhere for, for the Dosh. And uh, it was beginning to kind of really be like, okay, I don't need anything else. And I was starting to feel like really good about it. And then Corona came and now I've got a little part-time job in a little warehouse down the road, 20 hours a week. Um, but I need to do that. And that, yeah. that's just the way the cookie crumbles for now. Uh, if you if you'd ask uh, most people that know me that they they would tell you that I'm doing it full time. But yeah, at the moment, not going, is it? <laughs> well, no, well, I was going to say hopefully it 
picks up a bit, you know. It's uh, it's just going to take time, and we don't yeah, yeah, know what's yeah. around the corner. But fingers crossed. What about the the summer? Then you got some new uh, new you got some gigs lined up. Or what, uh, what's coming up in the summer? Festivals and things. Like well, that? already I've actually done two gigs already in the last last three weeks. I've done one in Leipzig, a little festival called Neusortieren Festival. And then I've done a song slam in Augsburg. In two weeks, I've got another song slam in uh, for the Miller Club, which is like the finale. I, I, I won this one uh, like well before the Corona, and then they invite all the finalists back to do a big a big sing off. I mean, all these things are good. Like I was just about to say, like the song slam thing. I, lo- I was always a little bit kind of up and down about it, but I quite like the energy there. I quite like the the audience wanting maybe they're given a lot more. I think when their their inputs needed, you know, yeah. and I, I enjoy some sort of buzz there. I think it's uh, it's quite interesting atmosphere backstage when you see like everyone's like, oh god, it's a, a song slam. We've got to get the audience going. I really buzz off that. I, I think right. it's quite funny. But the the oh your first rodeo mate, eh? No, no, no. But the. We yeah we won two awards in 2019 for um, the German Songwriting Awards and the European Songwriting Awards for music for motion picture. The first one was Raise the Bar, the the one we spoke about, and the other one was a song called Hot Air Balloon. It was just one of those whimmy things. We just entered this thing for 25 bucks, and yeah, we got invited to the finals, and it was good fun. Is that but, quite an interesting process? Like going through it, the it was, it was like, couple of hoops. like yeah, because we never really had to, to, we never played it live, it was all through this jury and and whatever. But I mean, if we're all honest with one another, it's like because I'd rather be a bit honest about it, or it's like a lot of it is just a fucking money making thing, the whole, the whole thing. But it, it gives you excitement in the time, it makes you feel nice and. I wouldn't live off the, the feeling of that because I know the music industry is a fucking shark pool. But right, you're exactly, yeah. So you go in there and you're chatting to everyone and we went to the pitching rooms and like one of the other tracks went down really well in the pitch and like it was all great. But until people follow up with it, I can't be asked with it anymore. It's like if you're going to back up your word, you're going to say something or we're going to do something together, fine. If you don't want to do it, just say, and that's also fine. You know, it's like, uh, start, I think, like, have you got kids yourself, Craig? I don't know. No, I, 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 I got an old border collie, mate. That's fine. Yeah, well, okay. well, there you go. That's, yeah. It's close enough. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's like something something came over me a bit with the fatherhood vibe. I just start thinking a little bit like, okay, let's have people around you that are serious and and go for the throat. <laughs> it's a wee bit of this kind of eliminating the blowing the smoke thing as well. Maybe there's yeah, a yeah, going yeah, on, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, you can see through that after a while. Yeah, and it has to materialise into something. And like this team I'm working with now, Martin, Martin Bach and Mona Kaidi's there. It's like we've got a solid thing going on. We all want the same thing. There's, there's no arguments, a few debates from time to time. And it's like we've got a goal and we want to make it. And they're the people you want to be around, I think. That's a nice segue in then. Tell us about the the song you just released a couple of days ago and uh, plans for a new album around that as well. Yeah, so we'll, we'll actually release 
supposed to release an album uh, on the, the last weekend of August. So it's relatively soon. And we're like hanging around for a, a release concert and we're, we're just thinking, hey, this isn't going to really happen the way we want it to. So I think we're going to go for the, the digital release and and just hang tight a little bit more, I think, until we rush into any big plans as, in regards to playing live. And so we've decided to go, we've actually released seven singles off, off the album and there's only 10 tracks on the album. Keeping so that, the other ones as a surprise there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that got us through Corona. It was quite fun to do it because we're all playing around with this Spotify playlist thing as well. It's a huge and, thing there, eh? And you just, again, you don't, you don't know what to believe, do you? It's, we've done the seven singles. We haven't had a, a big playlist yet. and But still, the, the work's good. And that's the main thing. For, for us, it's good. It's solid. And uh, it's always there now, so... Tell us about the new single then. It's just, uh, it's, yeah, it, it just came out on Sunday. Yeah, we were speaking uh, on Wednesday. It was just a couple of days ago, yeah. It came out on Friday. On oh, Friday, yeah, just gone Friday. hush. Yeah. hush. And that's, that's a bit more of a, uh, a bit more of a kind of upbeatier track, a bit more uplifting. It's a little bit like Amy Winehouse, Mark Ronson vibe, I think. Mm. Uh, I quite like it. And it's just got the, the track of the week on BBC Introducing in the Channel Islands. So we'll ride on that for at least a week. And and it's, it's a great track, I think. I think it's a strong one and the lyrics fit together and it's about the the the, the fucking turmoil. <laughs> Just the pits of the earth. They're all like that. I can't I can't really you know, I don't really there's one track, one of the, the three that's left called Stacy, and that's that's a little bit based on a on a mate of mine who's had a roller coaster life and it's about drug abuse and and a father trying to clamp down on her, and she's got this wicked guy getting her. And but apart from that, I, I do I do do it a little bit kind of about my own experiences. Then tell us the name of your partners in the band, actually. Mona Kaidis and Martin Bach, and then the the other genius we have on the side is a guy called Simon Steger, and there. They're bringing a lot of that that sound to the table. It's like when I when I first met them, we went. Uh, I met them at a party in Berlin. I was playing a few covers there for for our neighbours, and they were they were friends with them. And they just kind of as as we do when you're looking to do something new, they they approached me, and I was keen for it, and they were keen for it, and we just started writing together. And we rented a bungalow in Prenden in like. Uh, just, I think it's just north, like an hour north of Berlin. We just jumped in this bungalow for four days and, and wrote four really strong tracks. It was Raise the Bar, another one called Home and High and Full Power and Wonder. And and it was just like Mona was just playing the keys and these, these simple pads and, and Martin was giving me these beats that a little bit like the streets or something like that. And mm. I was thinking, okay, that that's like a coolness that that I couldn't get out myself with the acoustic guitar. So they give me the body to 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 kind of sing upon and then we create I guess we are creating our own sound actually, but let's let's see where it gets us, man. Uh, <laughs> as I as I was saying earlier, I mean I'm not just saying this, it genuinely is is really unique as uh, the first couple of songs you always listen to someone new, you think all right, we'll see where this takes me. And then you dig a little bit deeper, but 
uh, sonically, I mean, it sounds fantastic. I really like the the balance between the band. You've you've mixed live drums and some, some yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. there as well, and it works really well. And yeah, I mean, it's taken me down some musically down some different paths as well. I think it's. Uh, I no, think thanks it's a lot. Doing, I appreciate that. Doing, man. doing some good work, brother. Thank you very much. Are you fit for a top five, David? A top five? Uh, uh, pet, right, okay, I'm getting nervous now. All right, no pressure. Right. Right. A top it's, five. Uh, right, okay. So I'll give you the first one's an easy one. A guilty pleasure, someone you shouldn't like, but you do. It's starting to be edgier and... Oh, that's harsh. Yeah, yeah, it's harsh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm listening more and more. Just the, the technique and, and a few things in there, yeah. Have you heard these new songs? Because I haven't, so, but have you heard these new songs? I haven't heard his new song, but like, there's a few little, uh, few little things I've I've heard that I've just thought, okay, yeah, he's he's his lyrics don't touch me, but I can I, I know why they're they're getting somewhere, and and I don't know. There's been something that, that I thought, okay, well, maybe he's not that bad. That's, there's two uh, there's two schools of thought. Eh? There's like, how many people does it take to write a song? You you would know this yourself, either writing yeah. solo or writing with a a group like your two or three bandmates yeah. but like Ed Sheeran if you look at the credits in some of the songs there's like nine people on it or something yeah like it's, you know? true. it's, just, yeah, it's yeah. just like how many it's it's all very structured and kind of factory driven in this yeah, sense I mean, yeah, he's not yeah. the first to do it that's for sure mm. I think what I kind of also I think he's quite enjoying it as well and maybe I'm latching on to that kind of like he's just going and going he's just like right everybody knows what I'm doing but I'm going to fucking do it anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, but that's a, there we go. Hands yeah, up. That's a guilty pleasure right there. Yeah, right? That's yeah, what yeah. it's all about. It's yeah. uh, it's one of those things. Uh, let's kind of flip that around then. Let's go for someone who you think is overrated or you just don't get. Nick Cave. Abattoir Blues. I quite, like, I quite like some of his stuff, but not all of it. I can listen to it for a wee while and then I'm like, all right, I have to, this too yeah, much, yeah. you know. But I, but I like, I love his, his kind of character. Mm. I love his clobber and he looks the beat. He looks the part, he does, though. But I've, you know, tried, I've tried, I've tried. He's got that voice as well, that yeah, kind of yeah, baritone yeah. thing going on. He's really sombre and really gothic. and. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think it's all right to admit that, you know, it doesn't take you anywhere and that's allowed. Otherwise... We'd all be fucked. We'd all have to listen to the same thing. <laughs> Eloquently said, so. That was yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Exactly. No, exactly, man. That's, I've been keeping that's... the swearing in all day around the kids. So. <laughs> Let it all out. What's uh, tell us someone we should be listening to, David, other than your good self and your band? There's an Irish guy I know from the Liverpool scene, and his name's David Keenan, and he's electrifying, man. In, in my opinion, his first album, his debut album, uh, got like a number one in the kind of independent music charts, but it was like a real, like, um, UK island chart thing. It wasn't like a, a black number one. And he really is at the album is monumental. I watched him open up for Hosier at, in, in Munich. Mm-hmm. And I, I just because I know him from the the bar scene in, in Liverpool when he used to wear a little Adidas tracksuit and he just used to bounce in and he'd sing like Lee Mavis. Lee Mavis is one of his main influences, okay, yeah. I think. And and now to see this guy who's just like grown, not that young kid anymore with a little skinner than Yaroy and blah blah blah. And it's like he's really really come on 
it's like great to see that. I love to see that growth. And David Keenan, check him out. He's, he's unbelievable. I'll, I'll definitely do that, man. Uh, Go to karaoke song. I guess that's why they call it the blues. Elton John. <laughs> that's all right. Or, so it's a worthy karaoke song, I think. Yeah. And if I'm feeling. If I'm feeling decent or I, I'm in the right bar, then I'll do the. I'll try and do. I got you, babe, with with another another bird there. Excellent. That's but that right. goes mega mega high, man. It's yeah, like, right. yeah. <laughs> After a few tonics, it's all good, though. Eh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest, yeah. There's. A, I don't know if you. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's an Elton John clip from last year during the whole. You know, when everyone was recording stuff during the beginning of the first lockdown, right? So everyone was, all bands were making videos and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Zoom things and all that. There's a phenomenal Elton John video singing I'm Still Standing in his back garden. You don't know what he's saying. It's like one of these Eddie Vedder videos when they have the subtitles underneath and it's like completely the, the wrong lyrics, you know? So he's, oh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but Google yeah, that. I'll check it out. I love, I love it. It's Elton hilarious, John. but it's so funny. I mean, unbelievable. I, I really like Elton John. His early stuff, five seventy six, maybe you know, a wee bit uh, later. Captain, than that, Captain was, Fantastic right? mm. in his brown back cowboy. That, that really? album. I always had a great band as well. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you want a chuckle, man, go watch. This I will. I'll check it, it out. It's almost like he's half baked, you know, <laughs> or he's just <laughs> he, he's just pretends nobody's listening. You know, it's 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 quite funny, you know. So. There we go. This is my little Elton John. Yeah, class. Last, last question for you then. So since you've played so many venues and we talked about that, the venue, your first night of that tour, what's your favourite place to play? Well, the favourite place, of the, the best gig I've ever done and played, uh, not, I don't know if I'll ever be back there in my life, it was Huxley's Neue Welt in, uh, in Berlin. I opened up for Pete Doherty there. And uh, it was like a last-minute call-up. I sent this Facebook a message and just tried to blag the support or in between the supports. Mm. I turned up, and and the manager had got back to me and said, do you know what, Dave, we'll, we'll give you a crack at that. Come down to Huxley's Neuveld on the, on the day. And I got the long straw because he said, unfortunately, we can't put you on first. We've got to put you on as second support because the, the running order of the, the techs and lights and, and everything else. So I ended up getting like... The slot a, a just, spot, just right? before him and like i went out and says a thousand thousand one hundred people and they were all just like waiting and i was <laughs> i was just that that was just me then it wasn't like the background mm-hmm. singing thing and and to feel that venue and that sound system and those lights was something i, I need again in my life Never seen, never seen. Did you yeah. get, did you give you a sound check and all that stuff? So you got a run through in the uh, afternoon? I got, a, I got a little run through. You got your five it. minutes in, they're like, all right, yeah, beat uh, it. That was it. But that was all I needed because it yeah. was like, the, the, the sound was so good anyway. I mean, but I met the gang and all that. I met him and, and all the gang back there and it was pretty, you know, pretty It was mental, man. Who else have you played with then since we're name dropping? I tell you, that's a bad thing. But go on. Now that's about my only one. But I tell you who I did open up for in in the. It's uh, I used to live there actually. In the it's at the end of the Bergmannstraße. I was in Berlin as a church there. I don't know if you know know the area, but a guy from Deacon Blue, Ricky Ricky Ross. Ross, eh? Yeah, yeah. I I messaged his Facebook as well and asked to support him, and and that he's about my only one. But I love Deacon Blue, so I'm a. 
was quite happy to get that one. You were up for the second verse of Dignity then, eh? You were oh, up. man. it was, And it was just like a piano strip back set, I think. I think that's what he does mostly. I, I yeah, think you yeah. can really just had a new album out this year, if I think I'm right. But, the yeah, he does a lot of solo stuff himself, yeah, either yeah. on piano or guitar. And I think for a lot of the Germans, it was a little bit too much, too long. Because that he wasn't so so popular there in, in the sense of there wasn't so many tickets, but I was loving it. I'm also like a my dad's a massive fan of Hugh and Cry as well, and oh, this like really Scottish great, eh? this Scottish uh, pop. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember the, the first thing about and all that. You know, uh, yeah. Pat Kane used to get into my my mum and dad had a shop in Victoria Road in Glasgow, and Pat Kane they had a tea room, and a, so it was a card shop, like a stationery shop. Yeah, with yeah, cards yeah. In it, and the as you walked in the door and then in the basement was a coffee shop they turned it into. I mean, this is like 1990-something. And uh, Pat Kane would uh, often go in for a cup of tea and all that or some of my mum's scones and all that, you know. Class. So, I tell you what, said man, he was very nice. You know, I never met myself, but he said, my mum said he was, because she's like, do you know who this guy is? You know, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's proper famous, you know. I listened to a lot of Hue and Cry when I was younger. It was mad because... He can really sing, man. His brother can play as well. I mean, they're yeah, a really, yeah, yeah, talented duo. Yeah. But I have to, I have to put that in as well. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe they should have been my guilty pleasure. But uh, they can still, they can still, they can still be. Yeah. Uh, but I remember the first time I heard them doing shipbuilding that mm. song, and then I remember then the whole album it was like the remote album. It was like a double sided red or like a purpley CD, and I remember just like hearing all the things like my dad and mum would say and the twang and my gran and whatsoever and hearing like Mother Glasgow. And oh, you just read my mind, eh? Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a great live version of them doing that as well. And the... oh, it's on a route. It's on the hillside. Yeah, exactly. Over right. Glasgow. I know yeah. it well, man. I know it well. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic yeah. song. When I try to explain what that song means, and it's not even written by someone from it's... Glasgow. It's written by Michael Murray. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, trying to explain the intricacies of life in uh, my part of the world is kind of, it's not the easiest to describe yeah. it to people. I'm yeah. just listening to the song. It's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, uh, Craig and Ditto, thanks a lot for having me on, man. And uh, maybe we can rub shoulders again somewhere in the near future. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome on Facebook at expat music pod and of course you can find us on Spotify anchor.fm Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from you'll find us there until the next one this is Greg saying cheers <laughs>